Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Towns trailing the play. Straightaway three. Has it. How about that? We just talked about the versatility of Carl Anthony Towns. Towns with the spin and the finish. What a night it's been for Towns. What an unbelievable player. Towns puts it on the deck. Gets inside. What a finish by Towns. Turnover Nebraska. Here's Coffey. Coffey lays it up and in. McGrayer off the glass. That's Coffey. Beg your pardon. It'll count and uh, Judd Zulgad, I bet Danny Cunningham didn't know that he was signing up to work in the state of basketball when he showed up here. He thought it was he the state have. of hockey. After last night, it's the state of basketball. He should have known. How about that? Not what I expected, but I'm not mad about it. I mean, last night, and we'll you know we'll flush this stuff out with the Gophers too, and we've got some some more audio to play Richard Pitino, but uh, you had another culmination at Target Center in front of about five people, me being one of them. It wasn't a very big crowd at Target yeah, Center last night. Yeah, how were your night. seats? Uh, I was creeping over Danny's shoulder. That's, actually, I don't. Tonight. That's weird. He, he was sending yeah. me videos of myself from. That's really weird. From up in the sky, it's creepy. Hey, those those like first, second row upper deck tickets might be the best in the arena for you. Just get to get to see the whole landscape of Danny's computer over his shoulder, looking at the genius websites. at work is what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly, Ian Krasinski. Um, but yeah, that was you had the Timberwolves with another double digit comeback and throttling someone in the second half. You had the Gophers with sort of a resume building win against a top 25 team coming back from down double digits. It was an impressive victory. I yes. don't know what more you could ask for as a basketball fan in this town after last night. I saw in Joe Lenardi's way too early first four oh. team outs, the Gophers are number four. Wow. There's what? a chance. Why are you even, why is he doing that right now? Doing what? I'm just saying the they could, fir- no, I'm not, they could I'm not be, criticizing they, you. They could be in the final four in Minneapolis. It could happen. I love that the bracketologist never sleeps. It is no. the calendar just turned. Were you drug tested, Danny? No, no. They could be in the final. Were you? Um, I know at, nothing about them. At the Star Tribune, I, back in the day, I, I was. But <laughs> did you ever fail one? <laughs> Not here. No, 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 no. I never failed a drug test. No, a beer test, I would fail miserably. But a drug test, I did not. Or succeed uh, wonderfully. (laughs) I've never taken a drug test. Never once. Even like in college, playing football. You never never peed a cup? No, I've never been drug tested. Um, You played sports. But it's always, it's random, and I never got selected. When I was playing in college, I never once got drug tested. Like, I had dudes on my team that failed drug tests. Like, steroid drug tests. I never once got tested. So division, so division two, right? Correct. So division two players are, are rocking the PEDs to try and there climb were, up the ladder. There were a couple. I know of one that that <laughs> took them and did not get tested. I mean, dude, you would never have suspected if you looked up and down a roster like that kid's not taking steroids. I mean, oh, he was. I don't mean to denigrate division two football because Adam Thielen came from division 
Two. Yeah. Division two. Did you know he was undrafted? Two. It's crazy. And he's from Minnesota. Yeah. It's wow. crazy. You learned but like, something I feel like day. if you're doing PEDs as a Division two football player, you should re- go to class. Like, re- <laughs> you know, this isn't going to be it's your not livelihood. Worth it, okay? For sure. Right. Um, so on the Timberwolves last night, we're seeing a trend now, first of all, of everyone loves each other. That's trend number one. Oh, yeah. Trend number two is they get down in the first half of these games, and it's almost like a fun problem-solving exercise for them at halftime. Oh, this is great. We're down to the Tony Parker Hornets at halftime. <laughs> How uh, weird Or in that, this case, the they actually tied it right before halftime, so they made the comeback in the second quarter. Well, they were down by two at halftime, so they were still losing, but that, mm-hmm. they were down by 15 in the second quarter. It's It's like... All right, well, we're winning, but let's just see how far we can push this. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the limit is for us. Let's let's see how dig, how deep of a hole we can dig. And last night was a metaphor for their season so far because they, they found themselves out of that hole, and they have found themselves out of the hole that they dug earlier this season. They're above 500 for the very first time on the year. Now after 25 games, 13 games in, they were 4-9. and nine. It's remarkable what they've been able to do over this past 12-game stretch with, yes, 10 of them were at home, and the two road games that they won weren't exactly against good teams, and they don't have a good road win yet on the season. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 4-19, and and the Brooklyn Nets, who are 8-18 and on the road. Those are the two road wins, which nothing to write home about. We'll see what they can do this weekend, but they've played really well. They're, they've been a good team. Their net rating the day they traded Jimmy Butler, November 10th, was minus 7.2, meaning they were getting outscored by their opponents by 7.2 points per 100 possessions. After last night, for the season, it's now a positive. That's amazing. But last night, night too, is the template blueprint that that you want for for this team, right? Other other than falling and getting getting blown out. The fourth quarter of last night is the template, which is it goes through Cat. Everybody else, you know what? Andrew can pop up and have good, good games. Covington, I appreciate, and I think he brings a lot. But if we were, but when we were talking about this team ultimately being as successful as possible a few months back, we brought this up, which is this has to begin with Cat. It's got to go through Cat. And so last night, what they did is exactly what this team. This is how that this team is ultimately going to be its most successful, which is Carl Anthony Towns becomes your key cog. And you're 100 percent right about that. Manny and I, when we recorded Raised by Wolves earlier today. I asked him the question, if you get that from Cat consistently, which he's been far more consistent giving that type of effort on the offensive end, um, and defensively he was great last night too, and he's been really good since the trade. But if you get that from him and Wiggins on a nightly basis, what does the ceiling for this team become? What what are the goals for this team? Like how far can they go? Because what they are right now is not what they were last night consistently because you don't get 26 points from Andrew Wiggins all the time. You have not gotten good defensive effort and and him being locked in on that end consistently, which the past two games he has, and we've seen plenty of times throughout his career where he'll have four or five good games and then seven 20, or eight bad ones. Yeah, bad sure, ones. sure, that works too. <laughs> but it's whatever they put on the floor last night, if you can get that consistently from them, they're a very good team and someone that you're not going to want to play come playoff time. And I know you brought up Covington too. If this game would have happened a couple weeks ago, we would have been talking about how good he was last night. He had 17 points on like seven shots, made a few remarkable defensive plays that I, I'm running out of answers for how this guy mm-hmm. makes plays on the defensive end of the floor. It's truly yeah. incredible. Back to your, to your town's point, Danny Cunningham is hanging out with us. Uh, if you're, if you're new to Danny Cunningham, then you can follow him at real D Cunningham on Twitter and you can read his wolf stuff on 1500 ESPN.com and the raised by wolves podcast. But 
We've gone in the last month with Carl Anthony Towns from at least me personally feeling like you're by having Jimmy Butler around still, knowing that there's friction between those two guys and just seeing how Carl Anthony Towns' game takes a dip when when Butler's on the on the floor and how miserable he looks. That you're actively derailing this amazing potential 10-year career and derailing maybe another great well another great is the wrong way to put it a potentially great era of Timberwolves basketball with this as your centerpiece. And that was a month ago feeling like, man, they're doing like irreparable damage to this guy's career and maybe to the Mm -hmm. franchise. And now I feel like with the one trade that they made, not only have they fixed that problem, but they've insulated him with pieces that actually raise him up, not only on the court in terms of the fit and just the symbiotic relationship between five guys on the court, but it feels like his demeanor is different. And he's back to being this sort of lovable assassin of a seven-footer. They unlocked him. Yes. That, that's the best way to put it. And we've seen in the NBA different guys get unlocked at different times by different people. You can look in Toronto. DeMar DeRozan wasn't what DeMar DeRozan became until Kyle Lowry got there. Kyle Lowry unlocked him. The Warriors weren't the Warriors until Steve Kerr got there and unlocked them. They were a team that was really good. They made it to the Western Conference semis one year, lost in the first round after they won 50 games the next year. And then Steve Kerr gets there, and they he unlocked them. That's what Robert Covington has done with Cat so far. Mm-hmm. He has absolutely helped turn him into a much better player than we've seen this year. I don't think it was going to take a lot, though. No, I, no, I, it, it I think the the subtraction of Butler was so huge because you look at a lot of players. And we watch a lot of guys play, and they're like, that guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty damn good. But we don't say that's a superstar. It didn't take a lot to watch Cat and say, if you tweak this just a little bit, and, and eventually Butler became the problem, mm-hmm. but if you tweak this, if you just turn this a little bit, this guy's a superstar. And and this guy is. And Covington, I just appreciate the fact that he totally gets it. Absolutely. He comes in, he does his job, he's really good. And you know what? It's sad. We basically also li- like this guy because he's not a bleep hole to Cat. That's what this not, became. Not only that. They're friends. He and Cat are really close. Like every single night at Target Center after the game. And how smart is Covington for being close to him? Yes, very. <laughs> they are the last two in the locker room. They're always talking. Their lockers are a couple spaces away from each other inside Target Center. But yeah. they are, there's a legitimate friendship there. And I wasn't here when Jimmy was here. They were on the West Coast. The first week I started, he got traded the end of my first week being employed here. So I never met Jimmy. I was not in the locker room for for these tumultuous situations that existed. But I know that this is incredibly different than anything that was. Yeah. It's uh it's a fascinating social experiment to see what happened in the last month when you take inarguably the best player of the three that we're talking about here, Sharich, Covington and Jimmy Butler. You take the best player off of the roster and you just replace with better fit. And that's the story of the NBA. You know, there's guys like Jimmy Butler, Carmelo Anthony has been this at different points in his career. Mm-hmm. And some might argue that's like the Patrick Ewing theory, too, that you take Patrick Ewing off the Knicks and they go to the finals. Someone tweeted at me that this year or this morning. Um, the the because, Jimmy Butler and Patrick Ewing yes, theory? Yes, because the Sixers have gotten marginally better. I know their record has been very good and they've been very good in close games since they acquired Butler. But their metrics are like there's like a two point shift. Where they've gotten worse defensively too, haven't they? Yes, yes. They but they've gotten better offensively and, and their their sure. net rating when they acquired Jimmy was actually in the negatives also. It was like 
minus 0.9 or something. It was mm-hmm. almost minus one, where the Wolves were at minus 7.2 when that yeah. happened. I mean, in, in baseball, you want... Like I always compare to baseball probably too much because baseball is my like, first baseball love sport. Guy, yeah. It's but, your sport. But in baseball, you can literally put 25 guys, 25 cabs. The chemistry rarely matters. I mean, it matters to some extent, but if you've got a lineup of... Nine guys, you know, as long as you get some speed here and some power and some on base, if a couple guys hate each other, it's really not that big of a deal. They go up, you you know, knock the dirt off your cleats, you take a swing at a pitcher. It's an individual matchup sport. Mm-hmm. But in basketball, if there's not chemistry, you 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 would. That, that's why when you when you put together teams like the 2008 uh, United States Olympic team, or was it 08 or 04? The that team that they did not 04. win. 04. 04 with, uh, well, with young LeBron James. They didn't play LeBron and Carmelo yeah, and Wade. They just but, had them sit the bench. But it was still like it wasn't the best players in the NBA because a lot of those guys sat out. I think yeah. Kobe sat out. But it was the it was like the second tier players in the NBA. But if it's not a fit, if it's not if you don't have if you don't have some guys that don't need the ball all the time to complement the guys that do, and you don't, you know, you get some defense over here. And now you fi- you looked at that roster for a long time and you said, well, Butler needs the ball all the time. Derrick Rose needs the ball all the time. Jeff T needs the ball. Like six guys who need the ball all the time. Yeah. Now you look and you say, oh, okay. Well, uh, Sharich doesn't really need the ball. He can he can slash and he can he can get his points and get his action in off the ball. Covington, you don't run plays for Covington. Nope. Right. And those guys understand that. They're fine with that. And it fits so much better with the guys who do need the ball all the time. Jeff Teague looks better because he doesn't have Jimmy Butler next to him. And the the one thing that you're spot on about that is watch how little Robert Covington ever dribbles. He, he'll dribble the ball up the court from time to time, depending on the unit that's yeah. out there. Like if Rose is the the one on the floor at the time and Covington's out there and Rose is already down the floor, Covington will be the guy that brings it up. But when they're in a half-court set, he almost never dribbles. He's either he's catching the ball, he's shooting, or he's passing. He knows what he—and he makes his decisions so quick. And there's one thing I want to explore with him is the San Antonio Spurs have a half-second rule where when you have the ball on the perimeter, you have a half-second once your fingers touch the ball to decide whether to pass, shoot, or drive. Brett Brown in Philadelphia was a an assistant in San Antonio for like 12 years before he got the job with the Sixers. So I'm thinking that there's some correlation there that he had that type of rule because the— the quickness that both Covington and Sharch have in their decision making is incredible, and that's really helped out this team on the offensive end. Yeah, it's amazing. So, man, they're just—it's there—it's a must-watch right now. I just can't really believe is. they're fun to watch. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's really weird. Did in this you town. did you stand up and clap when Akogi stood up and unzipped his warm up last night, or were you gone already? I was gone by then. Oh, yeah, you missed I got, it. I got to be honest. The, the standing all. It was. Did Josh was, come in and get I, to play? And people he were all excited. Play, he got a minute thirty-one of, of burn last night. When they went up by uh, twelve points in three minutes to go, I went across the I went across the street to Kieran's to watch the rest of the Gophers game, which was a great decision, by the way. You no, you missed a Kogi. You can't be driving that train and not watch him play. The Kogi watch. It is constant. Yeah. Hey, oh, well, I, I was ready for it. Too. What can people find from you, Danny Cunningham, on fifteen hundred ESPN.com right now? Oh, so tomorrow we're gonna have a mailbag going up. Last night, from last night, we have the the final thoughts from the game that. Really is a, a metaphor for the season. And the one thing I th- think I found most interesting from the locker room last night is Andrew Wiggins used the word happy in a quote. and To describe himself? No, the locker room. Okay. And they're in a much better place right now than when they went out west a month ago. And I think that's something huge to watch. Awesome. And you can find Danny with Manny Hill. Also, Dane Moore, part of the Raised by Wolves podcast on a weekly basis. Subscribe anywhere you would find podcasts. You can also just find it on 1500ESPN.com. Uh, the Twins just added a power-hitting infielder. I don't know if it's official yet, but 
Uh, you and Chip talked about that. We can touch on that again before the hour is over. Jason Stark is going to join us to talk about what he's hearing about some major changes baseball might implement, maybe even for this upcoming season in the football hour. But let's talk about Toyotathon going on right now on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Luther Brookdale Toyota with some incredible deals right now on uh, model uh, model year 2018 and 19s. Uh, so go in. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight, and Toyotathon is the best sales event of the year, the biggest sales event of the year as well. So it's good timing. You're looking for holiday gifts for loved ones. Uh, you can get 0% financing for 60 months on a 2019 Highlander and also a 2018 Tundra. Uh, and how about this? $750 lease cash or $500 APR cash on a 2019 Toyota Corolla hatchback. Uh, let's see what else here. $1,000 APR cash on a 2019 Tacoma and uh, customer cash offers on 19 different Toyota models. Again, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. And the website is very easy to remember. It's LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Hey. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here, and uh, things have slowed down on uh, 35W northbound near New Brighton. That's because of a crash uh, between 694 and County Road 96. Uh, Things have slowed down by about eight minutes. And also, Highway 52 northbound uh, in St. Paul. Prepare for a delay there. Uh, It's between Plato Boulevard and 94. And we still have that closing up in Anoka on uh, Highway 47 uh, between Pleasant Street and Garfield Street West. Both directions on uh, State Highway 47 are closed. They are repairing a railroad crossing. McGrayer up top for three. Big time shot there for McGrayer. The second made three for the Gophers tonight. Murphy kicks it out. Coffee for three. Nebraska. Auburn broke it free. It's still loose. Over and back. It was deflected by Nebraska. It's Coffee. Two A career high 32 for Coffee. Have you been in a more emotional game than this one? I've not. Um, I'm proud of him. You know, to do that when you lose your mom at this age, it's really, really hard. So I'm proud of him. What a man. That was something by the Gophers last night. Nice comeback, yeah. And, sure. uh, and that was that was Richard Pitino on Big Ten Network after the game was over, just talking about how the team essentially played and de- and devoted the game to Dupree McBrayer and McBrayer played. I mean, he's what he's a kid, man. He's twenty years old. Yeah. You and I lost our mothers in the last year. We're, oh, the fact we're he adults. played incredible. And um, yeah, and I'm I'm guessing that the team was a little extra fired up, especially in the second half when when you see your teammate over there who's grinding this thing out. That's so. where that's where sports is great. This is where sports is great. Like, we can talk about and dissect things and complain and moan and talk about quarterback play, blah, 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 blah. But a night like last night is fantastic. The kid plays through that, and he wasn't great. But you know what? He played. He just played and hit at least one, if not two, key shots. Mm -hmm. And that is where where sports is special. And you know what? That, because I was there too, Judd, and that crowd, even though it was... What eighty five hundred people there? Nine thousand plus. It, they announced. Yeah. It probably is more of what you just said. But it's like it felt like it was a packed house. Yep. 
because the, that crowd was into it the entire way, and you could tell like the 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 fans in attendance were trying to rally around Dupree too, and just the atmosphere. Even though it wasn't actually a packed house, it felt like one last yeah. night. I mean, we hear stories, you know. So Brett Favre lost his father in two thousand four, mm-hmm. and so and I'm I'm not trying to minimize when you when you lose a parent. It doesn't matter if you're sixty when you lose your parent, or if you're fifteen and it's unexpected. I mean, it's not easy. But if you're Brett Favre and you're 30 or 32 years old or however, I think he was probably 33 or 34 years old when he lost his dad and you've got a support system, you've got a wife and you've got kids and there's, it's different when you're in college or younger and you don't have that same support system necessarily, or you're not as mature, you're not in your thirties before you don't have the world experience. And she was 58. I mean, fifty-eight, and and she was she in was she in New York City? Yes, but she's he's a Harlem kid, right? Yeah, and, and but she told Patino in the spring, I think, that she was retiring from her job at Rikers at, mm-hmm. as a security guard, and that she was was doing so so she could come here and watch her son play more. And then she had a stroke at some point after that, and, and the diagnosis of cancer came out. So I mean, this was a person who months ago was. 58 alive vibrant and gonna so it's really sad yeah but but for him to play and and for the the crowd as you said to rally around him like that yeah. was really inspiring to see it was very cool yeah uh, as far as like just a resume win for the gophers it's a ranked opponent they were ranked 24th nebraska was going into that game ken palm has nebraska 24th even after the loss so so uh, ken pomeroy if you if you're Ken Pomeroy, uh, it's you can just go and look and see essentially like strength of schedule, and it's a little bit like combining all of the various RPI and BPIs, and I don't even know what what all the measures are now. Sounds but, like dietary supplements, uh, but it'll it'll show you quality of opponent, and this was the best opponent the Gophers have faced all year, and they won the game. Now they have to play a little better on the road and figure that out, but if you can start to stack home wins and wins against top 25 teams, you're going to have to get a road win at some point, or at least a couple of them, even if it's not impressive. But that's the type of win where when the season's over and they're probably not going to be a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament, they're almost certainly going to be one of those bubble-ish teams, and you start to look at resume versus resume, a win against a really good Nebraska team is going to matter here in about three months. The Amir Coffee that, that showed up last night, if that kid shows up consistently and plays, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. 32 points, he was great last night. But why? Okay, it's you and I were talking off the air, and you brought up the Andrew Wiggins comparison. Mm-hmm. And they're—I don't know—they're. I don't. I don't correlate them. I don't think it's apples to apples. But plus, Wiggins was the number one overall pick, and Coffee. Right. Except Coffee will be lucky I, if he's drafted. Yeah, I didn't say it's but directly the same. Coffee does that four Play times a year. Play the Patino clip. Play the Patino clip, and he brings that this fact up. Before the game, I said, you know, I'm sick and tired of going in every game, and. They talk about Murph for us, and then they talk about all the potential pros on the other team. Uh, when are they going to start talking about you? Um, and that's on you. You know, we'll put you in positions, but you got to be aggressive. And uh, he did that tonight. You know, I mean, he kept attacking. Um, he took care of the ball and turned it over twice. Um, you know, so he, he was terrific. And it's true. And so... And I think he has a better chance to do something in the NBA than Jordan Murphy. Jordan Murphy's been the better college player, mm-hmm. but Jordan Murphy is an undersized. If you if you take Jordan Murphy and put him in the NBA, he's an undersized power forward and probably doesn't shoot well enough to be a a, a three, right? Right. So I don't, he's kind of a positionless player as you go to the NBA. Amir Coffee 
looks like he fits perfectly in today's NBA, right? Just a, eight, yep, a stretch two, dude. He can shoot. He can get up and down the court. Handle the ball. Yeah. So, dude, wake up. Do this on a more regular basis. Consistency. But he was great last night, and and he he didn't play the entire first half because I think he picked up two quick fouls and had three. And mm-hmm. so he was taken out of the game. But in the second half last night, they were down by, what, 13 with 17 left? I think so, yeah. And you thought they're About dead. That. They're dead. And he brought them back from the dead. Yeah. It was impressive. Uh, we, later on this hour, we've got to circle back on the signing the Twins made today. And, and I mean, it's definitely a bargain signing. But Jonathan Scope, a couple of years ago, was an all-star second baseman for the Orioles, who hit 32 home runs and drove in 105 and slugged over 500. Um, he between a couple teams that he was with the Brewers last twenty one home runs last year. And this this dude can hit, mm-hmm. and the Twins got him on a one year deal. We'll talk more about that later in the hour. Jason Stark, our friend, uh, regular guest during the regular season, he wrote a really interesting piece with some inside information about some changes Major League Baseball might implement for the 2019 season. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry on 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And we will get back to this uh, twin signing. The twins have picked up a second base, and we assume he's going to play second base. Jonathan Scope, he hit 30-plus home runs for the Orioles a couple years ago. Bounced couple teams last year uh, wasn't quite as good offensively. 21 home runs and his OPS dropped drastically, but he's in his prime. He's one of the best hitting middle infielders in terms of power you're going to find. It's a one-year, $7 million deal. We'll talk more about it later on this hour and the football hour coming up. But uh, Jason Stark from The Athletic and a regular guest during the season on our show, Mackie and Judd, uh, you wrote something for The Athletic that piqued our interest. It's something that we had kind of touched on throughout your appearances with us, and I'm just going to pick a sentence and then let you expand on this. At at last month's owners' meetings, baseball's competition committee gave the commissioner strong backing to try to put something in place to limit shifts, according to sources who spoke directly with members of the committee. Uh, so what are we going to do? Are we going to, are we going to have uh, like just umpires with tasers? If you're a shortstop and you go out <laughs> past second base, they just tase Bam. you on the spot. What's going to happen? Do you know, Phil, I thought I asked every possible question about how this would work. I never got to the tasers. Joe West with a taser. You know this. And TV ratings would go up. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong there? You know, enforcement is going to be fascinating if they do this. It's, It's one of the many, many, many questions that I had, that a lot of people had for me, that I can't answer and they can't answer. They don't have specifics how this would work. What they talked about, from what I was told, is just making a rule that says two infielders on the left side of second base, two infielders on the right side of second base, and they'd figure out the rest as they went along if it ever happens. And so I can't tell you, you know, what the penalty would be if somebody crosses the bag prematurely. I'm, I'm assuming they'd get yelled at. 
Da 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 da. So so Jason Stark, in your in your perfect world, if baseball came to you and said, "Solve this," and w- what's your idea? What would that be? Yeah, I, you know, this is not my idea. <laughs> this really is Rob Manfred's idea, and then the, the competition committee got on board. I, I mean, here's what I would say about it: they what they're looking for is more action, right? More guys running around the bases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did we did some studies, and this would accomplish that. We, you know, the batting average on ground balls and soft line, short line drives into the shift would go up to 50 points. Um, so that's not nothing. But here's what we don't know is everything else. We don't know what, what else would happen. Um, and he just talked about Jonathan Scope. If Jonathan Scope comes up, and there's a runner on second. Would he look at that big hole that didn't used to be there and think, you know what, I'm not so concerned about launch angle. I'm just going to try to hit a ground ball through that hole. They don't know the answers to this. Would thinking change? Would swings change? What would change? We just don't know. So here's what I'm in favor of. Change. I'm in favor of the sport being open to trying stuff to create a more watchable action-packed product. When okay, Jason Stark, when it comes to when it comes to change for for people in the game and around the game that are hesitant cuz cuz baseball's been very similar structurally for a very very long time. What is the biggest fear when it comes to changing some of those structures? I'd like to ask you that. Um, the culture of baseball is anti-change. The rules of baseball, I, I mean, I don't know. For, for some reason, people look at them like the Ten Commandments etched on Moses' tablet. And I'm not sure how that it came to be, but it's not like that in the other sports. It, you know, the NFL and the NBA make changes all the time to try to help offense. Offense is up. People like it. They watch it. They're, nobody questions it. Yep. But in baseball, you can't mess with anything. And that's the culture that has to change. Whether this is the answer is for way smarter people than me to figure out, but this is a potential answer. Yeah. J- Jason, is that still true, though, or, or do, we, do we assume it's true? Because so much has changed in thinking in baseball and contracts and executives, right? So it's so we, we are seeing an evolution and a change in those who run the game and potentially the, those who, who love the sport. So is it true that change isn't possible, or do we just always operate under the assumption that stodgy <laughs> baseball people won't allow for change that actually we could do? Chad, what a great question. Uh, thinking has changed. The style of play, the style of coaching, the style of managing, all that has changed. But it's so hard to get the rules to change or the culture to change. And you know, I, th- I think we're in a climate now where, in some ways, that's worse than ever. You know, the owners and players, the owners in the union would have to agree to a rules change. And would they even agree on what Starbucks to go get coffee to talk about <laughs> right. it? You know, that that's where we run into problems here. I think there are a lot of people who are open to change. Actually accomplishing the change, that's been really elusive. Yeah. You know, it's... 
if if you can if you reflect on you know the various sports what what are the what are the peak years of interest or the, the the years that we remember the most or the eras that we remember the most and it's usually when individual players are pushing the boundaries of records so in the NBA yeah. the last few years you've got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson shooting three pointers at a level that no one's ever seen in the history of mankind i mean these dudes are pulling up from 40 feet away from the hoop as if it's a layup on a fast break and and they're cashing shots from close to half court and and we're seeing records broken in football. Pat Mahomes has like 40 plus touchdown passes for the Chiefs this year and we have a month to go in the season and and you know and nobody's talking about whoa, we need to make sure that Pat Mahomes doesn't throw too many touchdown passes. And you know so in in baseball late 90s, early 2000s when the home run records were being shattered and I get that PEDs were part of that but I would be so curious to see if it was tweaking of the rules and not performance-enhancing drugs, Jason Stark, if all of a sudden you had some structure where hitters were allowed to hit 400 again, or you know, or or, or we had something where like we could steal 100 bases again in a season. You know, we we don't flirt with these numbers ever, and I don't, and I'd I'd like to see what it would be like if Jose Altuve could hit 400. You know, if we got rid of shifts, maybe that could happen. Right. I, you know, look. Uh, I, you know, I covered the Maguire, Sosa, Roger Maris chase in 1998. And look, we know a lot more about it now than we knew then, but there was nothing more thrilling at the time that I'd ever covered, the way people reacted to it. And so I, I, I agree with you. I, you're exactly right. I, you know, I've had an incredible array of reaction to this piece. Uh, but one of the reactions has been, well, we'd have to slap an asterisk on every stat if they ban the shift, why? <laughs> right? No, nobody's slapping an asterisk yeah. on Patrick Mahomes' numbers. But yeah. The rules have changed that allow him to do that. The rules have changed that where nobody's allowed to put their hand on Steph's back as he's crossing half court. Can't do that anymore. They've made it possible for their great players to show how great they are. I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick, quick aside. Where do you want to? Where do you, as a baseball fan, want to see Bryce Harper wind up? What would be the What would be the most fun storyline? Okay, so this is you're asking me. Regardless of where he could, he, he's likely to end up. Well, let's inject or, a little bit of or a little bit of realism, <laughs> a little bit. Like he's okay, not gonna. So like he's not going to the Marlins. He's not going to play for Derek Jeter. Well, you could say Twins, Marlins. Uh, like I think it'd really be really fun to see him on the Cubs. To be honest with you, to just um, to see how people would react. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing about Bryce, I think, is look, he hasn't had the kind of career we thought he'd have. But he is one of those guys with this little aura over his head where every time he sh- you see him on your screen, you think, I-, "I better watch this. I might say something cool." Yeah. And I like that's his greatest selling point. So you put him on any team and you still have that. I just like him to actually be that player instead of that player in theory. Are the Mets genius or crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're because they're they're they, they are definitely flying in the face of a popular belief of how you build a baseball team in 2018 in, into a 19. Yeah, the go trade for a guy who yep. they're then going to have for his age 36 through 40 season is a little out there. 
Um, I will mention that the GM used to be the agent of that player, Robbie Cano, and knows everything about him. Everything he brings to the table, how they think he's going to age, what happened with his PED suspension. It's hard to ignore that part of it. No, they, they had no interest from 28 other teams, but it's kind of fun that the Mets are trying again. Uh, don't you think? I like I give yeah, the guy sure, a why lot not? Of credit that he walked in the door. He's trying. Also, I think there's there's got to be a sense of holy crap. We had that pitching staff for that many years, and we're just going to b- go back to rebuilding mode. No, let's try and squeeze a little toothpaste out of the tube before it's too late. Yeah, what a concept, right? Like you know, instead of like all dreaming on what would happen if the ground, Syndergaard, Wheeler. And Mats were all great at the same time, and they had a team to go with them. Why don't we have a team to go with them? What yeah. do they think of this stuff? Yeah, Manny, go ahead. Jason, so the Nationals go and get Patrick Corbin and give him six years, $140 million. I, I can't imagine we've ever seen a pitching rotation that is this expensive now. Are the Nationals, are they going to still be in a position where they can contend now? I mean, they're, they're losing Bryce Harper, and they going at Corbin now, but is is this going to be, is 2019 kind of a make-or-break year for, for Mike Rizzo in that front office? Uh, I, like, I think they're going to be really good. You know, I, I saw them in September, and they, you know, they were making a case to me how good they were positioned to be, even if they lost Bryce Harper. Uh, Juan Soto is a star. Anthony Rendon is a star. Max Scherzer is as good as it gets. Uh, Victor Robles, they are really exciting about. Trey Turner is going to be a star. Um, and they're going to pitch now. I, I like that team. and I like their future, and I think they're the favorite in the NL East. That's been my default answer for about four years, but <laughs> I think they are. Uh, is a pitch clock still coming, or, or is that conversation for the time being dead? That's part of the shift conversation. I think that's the most likely change to happen in the sport between now and opening day because baseball has all the leverage. They proposed this formally the last two winners. They have the right to unilaterally do this without the players even saying, okay, sure. And so what's likely to happen is they're going to use that leverage and get some kind of pitch clock. Probably won't be twenty seconds. It'll probably be a clock that's so that's so much longer than that that it'll affect pretty much nobody. Sundial. <laughs> well, We're sundial. going with the sundial but clock. You know, <laughs> you know what they like about clocks? When that clock ticks to zero, yep. the people in the seats know something's actually going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Urgency. So they like that idea. Yeah. With you. There's not a lot of baseball doesn't create a lot of urgency until you get to that one game wild card game. So, uh, Jason, for for people who want to read more and uh, consume more Jason Stark, what's the what's the best? Where are the best places to find you right now? <laughs> I continue to be employed by the Athletic. Nice. Against all odds, and so <laughs> if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, uh, there's a forty percent off sale going on right now, and uh, people who subscribe love it. That's all I can tell you. Awesome, man. Good stuff, Jason. Right. Thank you so much. Always great to talk to you guys. Right. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. You too. Jason Stark, uh, winter meetings coming up. He's the best. I am. Great. I am he might have had trivia and we didn't ask him. Thrilled. I didn't even think. That's I am thrilled to be talking baseball right now. Well, let's talk baseball when we come back because the Twins actually added two middle infielders 
And it's not, we're not talking about just bottom feeding bargain bin stuff here. This is a bargain signing, but this is a really interesting signing the twins just made. We'll talk about it next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash uh, near St. Paul. It's between Snelling and Hamlin. It's causing a five-minute delay. So uh, be on the lookout for that, folks. Two outs in the sixth, and Scope launches one left field. It is hooking. It is gone. A grand slam. Well, how about that? Be careful what you wish for, right? That's how you answer a dust-up around home plate. That's exactly the way you do it. Scope lays back on a curveball and knocks it out of here. That's the Twins' new second baseman, Jonathan Scope. He's got some pop. Pop in that bat. He does. and So he's only 27 years old. He just turned 27 years old in October. So he's... Just getting into hit the, I would say twenty five, twenty six. You're emerging into your prime years in baseball, so he's in his prime. He two years ago for the Orioles hit two ninety three with an OPS well over eight hundred. His OPS was around eight forty two years ago in an All Star season for the Orioles. Thirty two homers, hundred five RBIs, plays a decent second base. I don't think he's ever going to be accused of being the best defensive second baseman, but he's he can hold his own according to at least. Some of the metrics that you can find out there on fan graphs and whatnot. It's not a bad gamble. Haven't done a lot of eye test watching of him in the... You don't uh, watch a b- bunch of O's games Orioles. in 2018? But to what you just said, I mean, the Orioles were one of the least watchable teams in my lifetime of baseball <laughs> last year. And they were... It was just... You watch those guys, it was misery. And they knew it was a death march. Yep. And so he had a down first half. He did hit 17 home runs in the first half, but he had down batting average, down everything. They went to the Brewers, and they put him at shortstop. And I think that shortstop. backfired completely. The Brewers had like four third basemen that they were trying to disperse among their infielders. They took, so they, they had a third baseman who they then traded for Moustakas and moved the third baseman to second, right? And then uh, they tra- Travis Shaw. Shaw, yeah. yeah. And then they traded for Scope, who was a second baseman, but Shaw had been moved to second, so they moved Scope yeah. to short, and so he they failed. Had, they had a third baseman playing second, and they had a second baseman playing shortstop. And, and then they had a, probably a first baseman playing third base, and, if we're being honest. Aguilar played first, but when he didn't, I think Mustakas would move from third to first. It got very confusing. Yeah, it was it was, but, it was, it was like basically a bunch of offensive But Scope didn't do, do well, and I guess trying to go from second to short would be pretty yeah. difficult at that point in the season. So he had a little bit of a down year last year. He played 131 games between the Brewers and the Orioles, 21 homers. Uh, the batting average dipped 60 points to 233. On base was 266. So it was... Not a good year for him offensively, even though he did hit over 20 home runs. So he elected early in free agency here to sign a one-year, $7 million contract with the Twins. You know why? I like it. But this is this is is the result of last winter. And all those guys who were like, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And in January, I'm going to get my just due, right? I'm yeah. going to sign a three-year contract. And how many of those guys got to March and said, my God, I don't have a job yet? Yeah, I guess, if you, I guess my question to you off the air was, well, couldn't he have just waited till February to sign a one-year, $7 million deal? Yes, he could have. But if you're him and you know that you're just going to get a one-year bounce-back offer yeah. anyways, well, you might as well find your team. Take it now. Just find, play, don't play the musical chairs game. So I'm just kind of going through the roster here now in my head. The Twins have a 30-home run hitter 
at second base, a potential 30 home run hitter at third base in Miguel Sano, a 30 home run hitter from last year, CJ Crone playing first base. Yep. They've got a 30 home run ish hitter in Eddie Rosario in the outfield. Yep. Uh, they've got some pop in Max Kepler. We'll see what Buxton provides. Jorge Polanco, good hitter. So they're. I'm not saying they're the 1927 Yankees, but they've got some guys who can swing at most of these positions on the diamond. Here's my question back at you then. Going through that, at first, second, and third, what type of gloves do you have at those spots then? Not How's the Krohn? greatest ones. I don't know. Is Derek? Can Derek hear us in there? Thumbs up or thumbs down? CJ Crone is a defender at first base. Meh. Yeah, okay. So, so second base. He's not, not, Joe, so, he's not Joe Maurer. So second grade. Not, well, and here, here's what concerns me. Crone at first base. The one thing that Joe did brilliantly was scooped Polanco's throws. That's true. And Sano's throws. So now if, you, if you've if got the first base box seats, all of a sudden you're getting baseballs. <laughs> getting Wear a, a few helmet. souvenirs. You're getting, uh, you're getting baseballs. <laughs> you're getting souvenirs during the season. Hey, Joe used to catch tickets. that. I just got hit by a baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've got, I mean, right-handed power, too. Miguel Sano, Scopes right-handed. I believe C.J. Crone is right-handed as well. No, he's a switch hitter. Isn't he a switch hitter? No, he's right-handed. I'm drunk. I can look it up in baseball reference before I can tell you. I think he's right-handed. But um, but this also buys them time. So Because the question was, is Polanco going to move to second base? And then you Correct. bring a shortstop in. But now, So now you've, you've bought time for Royce Lewis to do what he needs to do in the minor leagues in 2019. And you can call him up whenever you need to. You didn't lock into and a Nick multi-year Gordon deal. Yep, Nick Gordon. I, I like the fact that they're going to make Nick Gordon and Royce Lewis yep earn spots on the major league roster as opposed to rushing them because they just don't have any other options. You're correct. C.J. Crone indeed is a right-handed hitter. Okay. Uh, let's take uh, one Twins call here before we get to the football hour. 651-646-8255. Ted, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Just listening to your thoughts on Scope here, and I guess I don't hate the signing, but I don't understand it. He's not an on-base guy at all. The rest of the lineup has no on-base skills, and yes, he's 27, but it's a one-year deal, so the age really doesn't matter at all. Essentially, they signed a little bit worse Brian Dozier if everything goes well. If you're doing that at the beginning of the offseason, you know, where was your work on Jed Lowry, um, some of the guys on the other side like Iglesias or something like it just It's not a bad move. It just seems weird to prioritize this now as opposed to settle on this guy in March. Yeah, no, Ted, those are fair points. Thank you for the call couple responses to that. The Brian Dozier thing was dead when they traded him. He wasn't coming back. I don't think he wants to play for Thad Levine and Derek Falvey. I, f- I think he feels burnt by them not engaging in contract extension discussions. And I think he feels burnt by them waving the white flag at the trade deadline yeah, twice. And we're okay with that. Yep. And so, you we're know, I, the, the Brian Dozier relationship came to an end. Uh, on Jed Lowry. So Jed Lowry is in his mid-30s. And he's had... Jed Lowry has had a really steady career for about 10 years and then had this pop-up one-year blast off with the A's last year where he hits career high in all these productivity areas. Do you, Would you rather overpay for a guy's career season when he's 34 years old, not knowing, by the way, if he even wants to play in Minnesota, which is another factor, or would you rather buy low on a guy who was an all-star? I get he's not, he's not an on-base machine, yeah. but, but the guy who was an all-star two years ago hit 30-plus home runs, and you might be able to cash in when he's trying to build value. I like that concept better. I like Route 2 more, but I also would say this. The Twins aren't going to build a roster this winter that's going to be about two years from now or three years from now. 
this is all like temporary holding places, right? Like Gordon's going to come up. And so I think in their grand plan, if they can get a bounce back from a guy like Scope in 2019, that's fantastic. But I don't think the plan is, okay, he's going to bounce back and then we're going to give him a long-term contract to stay here. It's sort of a trade-off type of deal for both sides, Scope and the Twins. Very quickly before we break here, should they have gone after DJ LeMahieu? Um, he's a little bit older. He definitely gets on base more. Better defense, better with the glove. What's his contract probably, like? Right? Uh, he's, he's a free, he's a free he's, agent. He's a free okay. agent. Yeah, yeah. I'd say no because you you were try you're trying to basically get guys to, to hold for a year and then be replaced. I don't think this is about the long term. I think sure. the long term plan is is Gordon. Well, they like Gordon and Lewis as their senior infield. Right, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So D, DJ Lemayhew. I'm guessing is gunning for a multi-year contract because mm-hmm. he's not coming off a terrible season. And so the Twins probably figured, we need a middle infielder, but we don't want to lock someone up for multiple years because right. that's where Nick Gordon and Royce Lewis come in and Jorge Polanco is part of the future. Sure. And so the conversation could have been as simple as, hey, DJ LeMahieu, we like you better than Scope, but we, we like you on a one-year deal. And he's probably saying, I'm going to sign for three years somewhere. If Eduardo Escobar could sign for three years, then right. I, DJ LeMahieu, can sign for three years. Right. right? So... Um, it's kind of fun to talk twins hot stove before the winter meetings activity all across. It's been baseball. a long time, but let's talk some Vikings, Vikings and Seahawks coming up uh, Monday night. I was actually on the afternoon show on ESPN Seattle a little while ago, and they wanted the lowdown on the Vikings all sports station. Yeah, nice. Okay, just uh, I, I told them I don't have a whole lot of positive things to say about the Vikings right now. <laughs> Got to be honest, but we'll do that. <laughs> We'll also talk to our friend Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Football Hour coming up. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.